Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good to see you all here, ready to take on the new year. Hallelujah. Happy New Year to you all. As uh, Caroline was speaking, there's this phrase that was going through my mind. I thought I should share it with you, why we fast and pray. It is important that we face God first before we face the year. It is important that we face God first before we face the year. Engage with God before we engage with the year. I'm really stoked. I know that some of you feel like 2022 was like a hurricane year. It was a bit of a hurricane, you know, like lots happened. We felt like we're coming out of COVID. Things are going to be much better. And yet things were tough economically. Uh, the list goes on and on. And you're probably thinking, how is 2023 going to be like? I've got good news for you. This is, this is my faith. I don't know about you. This is my faith. If someone asked me, how is 2023 going to be like? I see it as 365 opportunities. Opportunities. Why I say that, as every nation global, we've uh, felt that we need to set this year as a year of miracles. Why do we set it as a year of miracles? It's because we believe that God is at work. Despite what is happening in the world, we experience miracles every day. It's just that we discount some miracles that we see on a daily basis. You know, the fact that we are alive, the fact that we are awake, some of us, it took a miracle to be here this morning. I'm talking as someone who hasn't had electricity for the last two days. Just welcome to my world. <laughs> you know, substation issues, whatever, but nothing will stop us from worshiping the Lord. Nothing will stop us from worshiping God. And as we do the sermon series on uh, what is happening in the world today, trusting God for miracles, I am fully convinced that the situation of South Africa is an environment conducive for revival. Amen. The situation, the crisis that we are facing in South Africa, it's an environment conducive for revival. Why do I say that? It is when we face problems like this and crises like this, we go to God on our knees and we said, Lord, you promised in your word that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will repent, will seek my face, I will hear from heaven and I will heal the land. So, I mean, in years to in years past, I've prayed for our nation. I'm still praying for our nation, but something has changed. Now when I pray for our nation, I go on my knees. There is a certain level of desperation that I sense for our nation. I'm saying, Lord, will you come through for us? And I want to challenge you as we get ready into this season of prayer, fasting, and consecration. Can we come together and pray that God will change the situation in our nation? Can we come together and trust God that it will change the situation in our nation? We are full today because we're only starting three services again next week. So uh, for those who are coming from the evening service, thank you for joining us. Uh, next week, we will be having our evening service back at 5 p.m. So our topic today is uh, the story from John chapter 2. We're going to read John chapter 2. We're going to be talking about 
the first miracle ever that Jesus spoke about that is turning water into wine at the place called Cana of Galilee. I want to make a few statements before we read our text today. And these statements are there to provoke you to say, if we are to have a year of miracles, what should our posture be? I believe that every problem has a solution. Do you believe with me? I believe that problems, sometimes there are miracles waiting to happen. A crisis is a setup for a miracle. Our greatest problems can become our greatest opportunities to deepen our faith. The situation in our country today, or maybe it's in your personal life, that situation, that, cha- that challenge that's driving you, that's pushing you to Jesus, it's an opportunity to grow your relationship with Jesus. We need to reframe the way we see problems and more importantly, see God in our problems. We want to become a community of people who operate with a lens of faith in every problem that we encounter. We want to operate with a lens of faith. I like what Pastor Lerico shared just now, that we will be known for our faith. We will be known as people when people were losing faith, were losing hope for this nation, South Africa. We chose to hope again. We chose to believe again. We chose to trust again that God will see us through. We want to be that community of faith. We started the year with faith. We're going to end the year with faith. We started the year with faith. We're going to end the year with faith. We're going to go through this year with faith. So the story I'm going to read today is a story that will challenge your faith. Will you choose to believe that God will see us through the challenges we are facing? I like that when we read this uh, encounter, we get to understand that the problem was presented to Jesus. So there are many problems in our lives. They are a setup for a miracle. And you may ask, what is a miracle? When you read the Oxford Dictionary, they say, a miracle is an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws. It is therefore attributed to divine agency. So I was reading this and I thought to myself, man, we need to take the authors of the Oxford Dictionary out of their misery. That divine agency they are talking about, it's God. It is God. It is God who can perform miracles. He's the only one who created everything and he's the only one who can perform miracles. Their words are, it is, it is a welcome event that is explicable by nature, that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws. And they attribute it to some agency. That agency is God. So in short, a miracle is when God intervenes in the normal operation of nature. When God intervenes in the normal operation of nature. So some of the testimonies I'm going to share with you are testimonies to challenge your faith, to stretch your faith, to believe again, to trust again, to hope again. So when we talk about something that is supernatural, I've mentioned it a few, a few weeks ago that something that is supernatural, simple English for people like myself, it is above nature. It is above what we are used to. So we're going to read a story of something that is above nature, 
something that is be, be above what we're used to. And let's read John chapter uh, 2, verse 1 to 11. Read with me. As I read this, I pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate something new from a text that you may be familiar with. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? There's something in that statement. <laughs> and even the choice of words. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. That is about 75 liters. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. I like their faith. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first. And when people are drunk freely, or they have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now, this the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. The Lord bless the reading of his word. So friends, from this word that we've read, I just want to give you the context of it and the setup of this word. The Bible starts by saying on the third day. The third day was uh, the day when they had just uh, reached out to Nathaniel and Jesus had just prophesied on Nathaniel and called him out and called him up who he was. And Jesus has got a few disciples that are coming with him to this wedding. And as I read it, I liked it because there's a lot of similarities between the Middle Eastern culture and the African culture. I'm sure you are noticing that Jesus was invited to the wedding, but not only did he bring plus one, he brought plus two, plus three, plus four, plus five. Very, very relevant contextually. In our context in Africa, we know when you're invited to a party, you just don't rock up alone, you bring a friend. And we, we were raised to know that when you prepare a meal, even if it's Christmas lunch, you must prepare a little bit more because Uncle David Webb might just come with a few cousins. We, and we know that that's how we do things, you know. That's why our weddings have become such a problem now. We struggle to keep the numbers to a hundred you know, when my sister got married, she invited 50 people. I'm like, that's just us. We haven't gone to the cousins. We haven't gone to the aunties. That's just us. I'll tell you why we're talking about this. Because weddings, we need to correct some things. That's why we have traditional weddings and we have white weddings. 
All right, let me explain it. This was a wedding, and why I say the similarities with African culture. Weddings in those days, they will take a couple of days, a number of days. So a wedding wasn't just one day. That's why they say here that wine ran out, and you're asking as you do the math, why would they take 75 liters of water jars to turn them in wine times six? Are these guys going to drink all this booze in one day? No. It was a couple of days. Let me just give you context. They'll try. <laughs> Only where Lerico comes from. <laughs> now, in the African culture, we know that a wedding is a couple of days, especially in those days, because uh, a wedding, normally, it starts with a lobola ceremony, which is the parents of the groom coming to meet the parents of the bride, and they start the conversation. That is just the start of the conversation. We, we haven't gone far. And then from the starting of the conversation, there is a going to interrogate the quotation. I will qualify that just now. I know it didn't come out right. It didn't come out right. I know it didn't come out right. They will check, if, you know, and then speak to their son. And then they will go back and pay the lobola. And then the wedding will properly start. And when it starts, there's the exchange of gifts that happens and then there is a traditional wedding, and then you'll be seen as married. All right. The reason I'm taking time to explain this is some of us, they get the quotation, and then they move in, and they say, we're married. You haven't finished the process. Let's just get that right. You have to follow the full process. Can I hear amen today? Okay, okay. Okay, let me, let me bring it to the Bible, right? You, you, you involve the parents first. After you've involved the parents, there's the blessing of God. And then there's the signing of the register. It's a sign of covenant in our days. Because in those days, they had different ceremonies to show that you're entering into covenant. So we sign the register, marriage register today, as a sign of entering into covenant. I know that some people dismiss the signing of the register. Barakidulotamakhoa. They say, these are for uh, our white people, it's not for us. Let me correct you. It's a sign of entering into covenant. That's why you sign the register. The most important thing is the blessing of God. You involve the parents, you receive the blessing of God, and then you sign the register, you're married. Did I say anything about a white wedding celebration? Where did that come from? It's culture. So... I'm correcting this so that people don't say, we don't have money to have a white wedding celebration. That is why we can't get married. That's why we've moved in together for economic expediency. If you find yourself in that place, come speak to me after the service. We'll sort that out <laughs> once and for all. All right. We try to hide behind culture. I'm simply saying involvement of parents. Some cultures is you, you know, you go to the father of the bride, you ask the, their, daughter's, their daughter's hand in marriage. In the African culture, you do the lobola process. And now let me correct what I said earlier. I know that lobola has become commercialized. It was never meant to be. Lobola was meant to bring the two families together. All right. So I don't want to hear... People coming later, when they have their marriage problems, and they say, Pastor, please help us, but your foundation was not right. Your foundation was not right. So get your foundation right. Amen. 
I know that I digressed, but I really felt I needed to address this so that you start your year all right. Amen. You can speak to Pastor Lereko if you feel like uh, I was too strong. Uh, he will help you also. <laughs> so when we read in this text, the Bible says the problem was presented to Jesus. The problem was brought to Jesus. We read in this text that the problem required obedience and participation. The problem led to belief. From the text that we've read, if we just look at how Mary brought the problem to Jesus. So you can understand that Mary was the mother of Jesus. Mary had experienced this miracle herself. Mary had experienced the miracle that we speak about when we celebrate Christmas, when the angel of the Lord came and the angel of the Lord says, you will be with child even though you haven't known a man. Mary said, be unto me according to your will, O Lord. Mary had experienced a miracle. Mary knew who Jesus was. So I want to bring it to you today that the reason why Mary can place a demand on Jesus is because Mary knew who Jesus was. Remember that these people, they had never seen Jesus in operation. They had never seen Jesus performing miracles. But there was one woman with the name of Mary, who knew that when I asked him to do something, he will do something. Mary knew that he was God. My question for you is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus the same way that Mary knew Jesus, that Mary had the audacity to say to the servant, even though she said to me, woman, this has got nothing to do with me, but do whatever he say you must do. Do whatever he says you must do. For me, that statement bothers me. Jesus just said to Mary, you know what? This has got nothing to do with me. But still Mary chose to believe. Mary had the audacity to believe that Jesus will do something with the problem. Jesus will do something with your problem. The question is, have you invited him? Have you invited him in your life? Have you invited him in your marriage? Have you invited him in your family? Have you invited him in your business? When Jesus said, do whatever he asked you to do, Mary knew that Jesus will do something about the problem. I know that Bible scholars have been struggling with the fact that, you know, Jesus said to Mary, woman, men, there's a, another similarity to African culture there. You never address your mother like that. I think when, when, when Jesus said, woman, Jesus was like reminding Mary that, hey, by the way, I'm still God, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's no way a black boy will say to their mother, woman, oh, woo, whoa, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've had stories. When you are in the shopping mall and some boy, some girl somewhere is throwing tantrums, you are with your mother and your mother sees all this happening. While they're still saying, Joshua, stop doing what you're doing, your mother will take her shoe and sort you out, basically saying, don't even think about it. 
Don't even think about it. You know, like ma, ma, you. Unga lingi. Unga tringi. Don't even think about it. I I was just I was reading my Bible in Situana and I thought, man, Jesus wanted just to remind Mary that I am God. And even when Jesus said woman, it helped Mary to put her in her position, in her place. That is why Mary could place a demand like she did on Jesus because Jesus just reminded her, I'm God. Our problem is that we don't know who God is. Do you know who Jesus is the same way that Mary knew Jesus? Many have been disappointed. Many may be disappointed by It's taken a long time to see my miracle. It's taken a long time to get healing, breakthrough in my marriage, kids, extended family. The list goes on and on. Let me remind you, the man who was sitting next to the pool of Bethesda was there for 38 years. But when Jesus said, now it's time for you to go, he still was trying to make sense of what Jesus is saying. We like to do that. And yet, as he responded with obedience, he was healed. He was healed. So in case you are disappointed, in case you are angry at God, in case you, you're keeping uh, hurt or you, 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 you are offended at God, I want to tell you today, can you shift your relationship with God like Mary did? Place a demand again on heaven and see what God will do. I want to read you a testimony of someone just to remind us of the power of miracles. It was in 2014. I was passing my boss's door and I realized that she was crying. I opened the door and she told me that her father who was sick was having internal brain bleeding. She told me that they just called all the children to come because they need to have an emergency surgery and he might not make it. The same woman, she comes to her church, said to the boss, let me go pray. And she went and prayed with some people here in the church. And then after they prayed... She goes back to the office, and then she sees the boss there. She said, I thought you will be at the hospital with the situation. And this is what the boss said. She told me that something that was beyond science happened. There was this internal bleeding that actually reversed, and he was healed. He was healed immediately, and the surgery did not happen. <laughs> surgery did not happen. The difference between healing and miracles is miracles happen instantaneously. Healing is progressive. So what happened here is they prayed and a miracle took place and they could not explain it scientifically. I like the fact that they said, they told me that something that was beyond science happened. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Problems are an environment conducive for a miracle. So where do you go when you face problems? Where do you go? Where do you run to when you face problems? Like Mary, who knew Jesus was, brought the problem to Jesus. And the next part, which I love, is the program required obedience and participation. You know, we read here 
in the verses that follow, I love how the story just unfolds. When Jesus in verse 7 said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they fill them up to the brim. Now, can we pause there for a little bit? It continues to say, draw some water and take it to the master. Fill the jars with water. Now, what, 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 what I was asking myself reading this text is, here's jars of water, 75 liters each. There's six of them. Uh, Jesus could have done it maybe the way I would have done it. Jesus could have said, bring those jars all over here in front of all these guests. I'm going to make water to come into, this water, in, in, into these jars. I want everyone to see that it's me who did this miracle. But Jesus did not do all of that. Why is the big question. Why did Jesus say to them, take the jars, fill them with water? I believe when Jesus was doing that, he wanted them to exercise their faith. He wanted them to exercise their faith. He wanted them to partner with his faith. Jesus knew that he could perform the miracle, but he didn't want to do it without them learning something out of the process. Some of us, our miracles are waiting for us to believe again, to trust again, to hope again. Have faith that God who promised is faithful. He wanted to partner with their faith. He wanted them to exercise their faith. Remember that these guys did not know who Jesus was, but yet they exercised their faith. They listened to Mary who said, just do whatever he tells you to do. I feel for some of you, this may just be the word of the Lord for you. The word of the Lord for you is believe again. Trust again. Hope again. When he said, you know, go and fill the jars with water and they fill them up to the brim. Don't limit God. These guys could have just gone half. These guys could have just said, man, this guy, who does he think he is? We should be going to spa liquor if there's something like that to go get the wine. We should go and get the wine. But he's saying fill the jars. They did not ask questions. They just said, we will do what he says we must do. Remember, this was the first miracle ever. It sets the tone. The law of first things, it sets the tone of miracles to come. The problem required obedience. They obeyed and they participated. They placed a demand on heaven. How is Jesus inviting you to participate in his work today? To participate in what he's doing in the world today? I want to share that one of the things that we struggle to participate and obey when Jesus speaks to us, when he says, do whatever I tell you to do, is because we have not stored the word in our hearts. We have not taught the word in our hearts. You know, the best way to describe it is we need to have the word so that when the problem comes, we can draw a promise from the word to engage the problem with the promise of God. When you have a problem, you can say, it is written. When you have a problem, you can say, God said this. Do whatever he tells you to do. And another thing is we don't hear the voice of the Lord because we're not close enough to his word. 
We are not able to tell the voice of the Lord when He tells you to do something because we, are not, we haven't stored the Word in our hearts. The best way you can remember this is this. Don't be like those students who shows up at an exam and then they start praying, Lord, please help me. You know, you know those people, like none of you here. You, you, you just you show up at an exam, you're going to write the test, you haven't studied, you haven't prepared. Holy Spirit, please help me. I, I want to challenge you, don't be like those students who don't give the Holy Spirit nothing to work with. Nothing. Re- let me remind you, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will remind you will put to remembrance that which Jesus has taught. So if you have not taught the word, you're not giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. So we need to store the word. We need to be people of the word. How we obey and participate is through being in the word. Like we were talking about abiding last year. In 2017, my wife had an opportunity to travel... uh, to the U.S., and uh, how it came about, she had just read a book called Needing and Loving It, and she had read a book before that one that's called Help Me, I'm a Pastor's Wife. <laughs> the title says it all. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> she read this book, Needing and Loving It, and after she read this book, it so impacted her that she wrote to the authors, and she started uh, subscribing for their mailing list, and she was getting all the communication. And later she got an invitation to uh, join them in their retreat. They were having a ladies ministry retreat. And this happened to be in Las Vegas. Thank God that uh, even when you go to Las Vegas, he'll be there with you. <laughs> we know what they say about Las Vegas, right? Whatever happens in Las Vegas, you're all wrong. Whatever happens in Las Vegas, Jesus knows. <laughs> That was what we said to my wife as we released her to go. We were thinking of getting her a t-shirt, but we didn't go that far. (laughs) The story goes like this. As she was praying about going, she asked for a sign. Remember that signs, as we pray, are there to help us see that God is leading in a particular direction. So she was praying, said, God, give me a sign. She wrote back to these ladies and she said, I would love to come to the conference, but I just want you to know that I am here in Africa. <laughs> because they thought maybe she's in one of the states in America. And then she asked, she said, would you sponsor me? And they said, sure, we can sponsor you for accommodation. You just have to get yourself here. But it was so expensive to fly over there that my wife started engaging with the Word of God. She got a scripture that we know so well, nothing is impossible with our God. She started praying into that scripture. She even called Pastor Willem Nell. Most of you know Pastor Willem. He operates in the special gift of faith that is uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We all can operate in that gift of faith. But Pastor Willem, he just operates in another level. And as Pastor Willem was praying with Lindy, Pastor Willem said, I see fives, I see fives. And Lindy started getting gifts of amounts of five, five, five coming in. And the entire trip was covered. But there were other things that happened that were amazing how God shows up. They said, 
Not only will we cover accommodation for you, we'll put you in a hotel with the speakers and you'll get to be covered even meals with the speakers of the conference. When favor is upon you, there's nothing you can do but receive the favor of the Lord. The moral of the story is she engaged with the word. She engaged with the word. She presented the situation to the Lord, but she engaged with the word. Let us store the word in our hearts. As we wrap up, I want to deal with this matter of doubt and believe. The problem led to believe. The, the purpose of miracles is to point us to Jesus, is to make him known. That's the point of miracles. When we believe that what he's promised he will do, and we see miracles, those miracles are to point people to Jesus. When we read here in verse 9, it says, when the master of the feast tasted the water now that had become wine and did not know where it came from because Jesus didn't want everyone to know. Though the servants had drawn the water, knew where it came from. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, that's code word for saying they were drunk. When the people are drunk, then the poor wine comes out. But you have kept the good wine until now. I want to pause here for a little bit. You know, when Jesus shows up with the new wine, it will be seen that it is Jesus who's shown up. It will be seen that Jesus is the one who is at work in your life. So wine speaks of joy, speaks of peace. It speaks of the move of the Holy Spirit. So when the new wine of Jesus comes over your life, it will be seen that it is Jesus. This is the first of his signs Jesus did in Cain of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This last phrase is the one that drew my attention. Why does the Bible say his disciples believed in him? These are the people that were following him. These are the people he had already prophesied over. But when this miracle happened, they believed in him. Now, for some of us, we may follow Jesus. We may say we trust him, we believe in him. But I believe that there's certain miracles that when you experience them, it will take your faith to the next level. Can we believe for those miracles this year? Can we believe for those miracles that that which I've been trusting God for, he will come through for me? I imagine that these guys will follow Jesus, but they need it to see him operating in another level that their faith was promoted. In what ways is Jesus trusting, uh, challenging you to trust him more? In what ways is he teaching you to believe more, to walk on water like we were singing earlier today? In what ways is he challenging us to believe in him? So we've been reading this book, Walking in the Supernatural Healing Power, by Chris Gore. He says something that I believe will speak to you today. Live with a conviction that nothing is impossible with God. Live with a conviction that today is a great day for a miracle. Regardless of how many times you have personally been prayed for, believe that today might just be the day for a miracle. Live bold enough to pray scary prayers that he can't help but show up 
for those prayers. I'm convinced that we will see more miracles if we step out in godly confidence, knowing that all of heaven is waiting to back us up as we release the goodness of the Father. There was a problem at this wedding, but I believe that the miracle is not just turning water in wine, but also turning hearts that doubt into hearts that believe. When there is doubt, it's because we don't know who Jesus is. When there's doubt, it's because we don't know who God is. What if we began to see our problems differently? What if our greatest problems were greatest opportunities to deepen our faith in Him? If you're facing any problem, any challenge today, present it to Jesus. The problem may require and will require obedience and participation and the problem will lead to belief. I want to share one more testimony with you before we pray. As we pray, 6 a.m., we have the Zoom revival prayer. Feel free to join us anytime. We're praying for the nation. We're praying for the nations of Southern Africa. There was a guy from Botswana who shared a testimony with us that really stood out for me. He said that for 18 years, he was a drug addict. As a married man... He struggled with drugs. As a family man, he still struggled with drugs. It took a long time for him to come to a place of breakthrough. And he says the one morning he was coming from wherever he was coming from, and he found his wife having seizures, and his wife was there, desperate, about to die, and he called a few people to come and help, and they were able to rush her to the hospital. And for days, the wife was in the hospital. He sat next to the bedside, pulling out the Bible, reading the Bible, praying, asking God for a miracle. And guess what happened? Because God is faithful, two miracles happened right there and there. The wife was healed, completely healed, and she's never had seizures to this day. Completely healed. Completely healed. That's just a reminder that God still heals today. But the second miracle that took place, he gave his life to the Lord and he was set free from 18 years of drug addiction right there and there without rehab. I know that, yes, some people will have to go to rehab, but the miracle that took place with his wife led to a miracle in his life. If you listen to him speak now, you wouldn't say this guy was addicted to drugs for 18 years. This testimony is to remind us that God still works miracles today. Let us stand to pray. As we bow our heads to pray, in this attitude of prayer, I want to remind you that um, the miracle happened because the bride and the groom, they had invited Jesus to their wedding. The miracle wouldn't have happened if they had not invited Jesus to their wedding. So the first question I want to ask you today, have you invited Jesus in your heart? Have you invited Jesus in your life so that you can experience these miracles that we're talking about today? I want you to think about this. Have you invited Jesus in your life? 
Or maybe you were a Christian and you stepped away from walking with Jesus. And you need to believe today that there's a reason why you had to be here today. It may just be that you need to recommit your life to Jesus and invite Him back into your life. If you are here today and you say, I want to invite Jesus into my life, into my heart, into my marriage, into my circumstances, or you've walked away from Jesus, I want you to raise your hand to heaven as if you're placing a demand on heaven. Raise your hand to heaven and say, I want to come back to Jesus. I want to invite Him back into my life. Maybe you're thinking about it. There's a prompt in your heart, in your spirit, and you want to come back to Jesus. Thank you for raising your hand. Anyone else, as our heads are bowed in this atmosphere of prayer, if anyone else says, I want to come back to Jesus, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you for raising your hands. Anyone else? Anyone else? I believe there are people here today who need to recommit. There are people today who need to invite Jesus for the first time in their lives. Thank you for raising your hands. You want to open yourself to a life of miracles. Just raise your hand wherever you may be. Thank you for raising your hand. You're raising it to Jesus and not to men. Invite Him in your heart to live a life of miracles. For those who raised your hand, you can put it down. I want you to take a bold step and bring your personal belongings with you to come to the front so that we can pray with you. We also want to take your contact details so that we can connect with you and walk with you so that you can live a life that Jesus wants for you. So if you raise your hand, come to the front. Let's welcome you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming back to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for standing right here. Thank you, my brother. And please come. Let's give them a round of applause. Please come. Thank you. Please come. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to be up here. You feel like God is calling you back. The Father is calling you back. You feel like you need to be up here. You want to come back to Jesus. Feel free to come. This is a family moment. Feel free to come. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Friends, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. I see for some of you, it's an emotional moment and uh, it is a significant moment. You can feel in your heart that God is doing something in your heart. He's the Father who loves us so much that He doesn't want us to spend eternity without Him. So I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And family, let's join us. Let's join them as we pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We repent of all unrighteousness. We receive you as Lord and Savior of our lives. From today, we will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we pray for all those people that are standing here, Lord. We pray that, God, their names will be written 
in the Lamb's book of life. Father, we pray that from today their lives will be transformed, Father God. And Father, even as we've experienced miracles in our lives, they will experience miracles, Father God. They will see you move. They will see you move in ways that they've never experienced before. Lord, I pray even as they connect with family, as they join with family, Lord God, that we will be faithful to disciple them, to become all that you've called them to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God one more round of praise. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, guys. Well done.